0: What's going on? Welcome to another episode. I'm shaking my computer of the Fantasy Football Fellows Podcast. It is recording Thursday, June 9th in the evening, per usual. I'm joined by both Cameron and Tyler tonight. Fellas, how how are we doing on this fine evening?
1: Doing all right. I have... Officially begun to join Tyler in the corporate world, uh, took a three day hiatus from working and I'm changing the career trajectory a little bit and we're seeing how it's going. And let me say, I, I am really good at sitting in an office chair. Um I do a really good job of it. Uh, I look right at home. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's I'm, I'm doing pretty well.
0: That sounds like me in the summer when I'm not on campus, I'm really good at sitting on the couch and clanking on my computer all day. Yes, sir. So I get that. I get that feeling.
2: Tyler, how's it going for you? Oh, it's going great. It's going great. We, uh, you know, in true fellow fashion, had a little technical difficulties at the beginning of recording.
0: It's It's not a fantasy football fellows podcast if we don't have technical difficulties of some kind. (laughs) who wants to come work for us for free get some get some experience on that resume
2: we're looking unpaid internships only Uh, no but free uh, labor free (laughs) free manual labor Um, no hey we've got something coming up next week that we're going to be releasing and uh it's been it's been working on that been actual work and uh you know i can't complain i cannot complain
0: I think we need to drop it because not drop it, but like we need to make the announcement because I feel like we haven't yet. We are releasing the fellas draft guide next Wednesday on June 15th. So five days from when you hear this podcast, we will be coming out with our first ever draft guide. You're going to be able to get all of our projections on players for the upcoming season. Uh, you're going to see our rankings as well, our initial rankings, and you'll be able to get live updates on those throughout the offseason as we tweak things around as news comes out. Uh, we will be changing those all off season, but we are releasing that next Wednesday, June 15th. We're going to have a whole episode centered around uh, our projections and the draft guide next week as well. Next week is just going to be a loaded week. It's going to be such a fun week next week. It's going to be such a fun week. I'm looking forward to it. I'm stoked for that. But for now in this episode, we're shifting away from from Dynasty talk. And you know what? We're getting into prime fantasy football season where we're starting to do more and more research on the season. So we're going to discuss some highly debated fantasy football questions this episode within the community and give you our two cents on them. And basically tell you why we're right. That's what, that's what we're going to do. We're going to tell you why we're right. Um, but I, I also think we could have some differing opinions on this episode as well, which is what's going to make it never, fun.
2: Never <laughs> would we ever differ. We agree on everything. That's why we're so good at our jobs.
0: That's why we only release consensus rankings on our socials. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into some news and notes first. We're on Insert transition. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just gonna booze. do after. I think I'm just gonna do After Effects on these from now on. I'm just gonna like allow long enough of a pause to just <laughs> just insert a random transition. Start with your
1: fingers. One, two, three. All right. We're
0: good. <laughs> All right. We're good. Back in. Maybe biggest piece of news from the past week: Cooper Cup. That man got his money. Three-year, years. $75 million dollars guaranteed in his new contract. Worth up to. $110 million, rightfully so. Super Bowl MVP, Triple Crown winner last year. Unanimous all pro. You can keep running with the accolades. It's a well deserved contract. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. No. Next piece of news Najee Harris. To see less work on certain downs next season. What in the world do we make of that?
1: Uh, he might only have 285 carries. Um, he might know.
0: only have <laughs> 300 total touches.
1: It's just like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. It's probably better for him, honestly. Like right. You would assume efficiency probably goes up because he actually gets a breather. He was playing like 97% of snaps. It was just crazy. So, was well, so he know,
0: like 3.7 yards per carry last season? Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it's got to come down a little bit if he wants any longevity in the NFL. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he's just going to be done in three years, so.
0: Yeah, if you get 300 rushing attempts and 90 targets in a given season, you're freaking 400 touches. Uh, yeah. That you're going to be run to the ground. You're going to end up like a Derrick Henry in year. I mean, and Derrick Henry didn't start getting his volume you know, until well into his career, so mm-hmm. it would only come sooner for Najee Harris. Any two cents from you on that? On that type?
2: No, well, you released a TikTok on this. you know, oh, not um, yet.
0: Well, I guess technically, I would. By the time this episode comes out, I would. Right. Was-
2: true. True. Um is it something? Is it nothing? It's absolutely like, it's what we expected. And if anyone's saying that they didn't expect this, dare I say they don't know football.
0: The Steelers weren't just going to, so people were banking on noodle arm, big Ben, not being in the offense. So they're just going to run Najee more. They're going to focus on the run more. They're just going to run the crap out of the football. And that's just not the case. That's not, that's not what's going to happen. No. Like they need to limit Najee in some capacity, otherwise, like he is going to have a short career. It's I mean, a
2: e- even even if if it's not carries that they're going to take away, it's going to be receptions and receiving work because it's going to be third down work, right? Because I mean, like you said, they had noodle arm Big Ben as their quarterback last year. They didn't need to really throw it downfield.
0: No, and. Mitch Trubisky, I mean, he, he checks down, but he's not a big Ben check down artist. Can he pick it? Uh, I mean, maybe, but I don't know. I, I, a rookie quarterback trying to get Najee the ball, I wouldn't trust that either. So, I mean, production was going to go down. It, it was bound to happen. So it was something we expected. So like, like, I, like we posted on TikTok, to us it's nothing. We were expecting this already. It's just confirmation at this point. Yeah. I'm going to blow through a ton of minicamp news here because that's pretty much what the rest of the news has been from the past week. Debo Samuel, present at minicamp. Good for him. Niners probably going to work out a deal with him, I would assume. I don't think there's any disagreement there. Mm -hmm. DK Metcalf, not present at minicamp. Again, not really surprised. Someone pay that man. A lot of teams offer to trade for DK Metcalf and give him that money, and Seattle said, eh, so I find it hard to believe Seattle isn't going to pay him that money. Yeah. Alan Lazard, also not present at minicamp. Flex those muscles, Alan Lazard. Show them that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers needs you. <laughs> I feel like this is just kind of silly. This is a guy who's like, I'm the number one here now. And pay me my money because I'm the number one. <laughs> and it feels like. You, we don't know if he can be.
1: It feels like a middle school team where you have like a, your best players, like an eighth grader. And he's just not coming to, like, summer practices because he knows that he's going to get, like, um, going to get the ball because he's just that good. Like, that's how I feel about Lazard. Like, just because you're better than everybody else there doesn't actually mean that you're good, you know? Right. Like, just because you're better than Christian Watson right now and Sammy Watkins does not make you a good football player, so stop holding out.
0: I mean, I can appreciate him testing the market at least.
1: Yeah. Um, Oh, for sure. I probably would if I was in his shoes. I mean, I could suck. But if you said, oh, I have an opportunity to get a decent contract right here, yeah, I might take that chance.
0: As soon as Aaron Rodgers reports, I'll report. That's what I would say. (laughs) Yep. DeAndre Hopkins. Full go at minicamp. Great. He's still out the first six weeks. Uh, Jerry Judy. (laughs) Jerry Judy tweaked his groin earlier this week. Uh, look, it's early enough in the offseason where I'm not super concerned yet, but should it mm-hmm. linger, then I'm concerned. I'm not concerned yet. We're early enough. It's only June. We have two more months until games, preseason games start. Yep. Jarvis Landry dominating at Saints camp. Cool. Don't really care, oh. honestly. We're in June. He's playing against third-string corners for that team, and that secondary was already depleted. They already lost a few weapons on the outside this offseason. Zach Wilson struggling with accuracy at minicamp. <laughs> we have one big Zach Wilson.
2: Wil, Wilson. What's <laughs> that, Wilson. <laughs> We have one person who is expecting Zach Wilson, and we have two people who are expecting Zach Wilsons.
1: <laughs> Zach?
0: <laughs> I think that's a summation of what we're expecting. One who expects Zach Wilson and one who just, yeah, Zach Wilson. <laughs> two different people. Oh. Talking with accuracy. Um, what's new? He did last year, too. Uh, and lastly, Leonard Fournette. Looking a little Heavy. Uh, coming into camp here. Uh, is Is that something or nothing? I am going to ask a question on that one. Is that something or nothing? I feel like that's important.
1: It's nothing. He is just an efficiency machine, the home of the check down king in Tampa. He's going to get receiving work, and that extra weight is just going to help him score more touchdowns around the goal line, and that's what's going to keep him fancy relevant. So even if he keeps on the weight, I assume he'll have a pretty decent season. I how are, are you saying that it's like a Leonard Frenette optimist? Like, I feel like there was like a yeah.
0: slight tone of yeah, like,
2: so
1: I
0: was going to say. Not that lengthy, definitely... we're fine. <laughs> okay, that's, that's no. I see, I see. Tyler, you were saying something.
2: No, I was just going to say like, no one knows exactly what that means. Except for Tampa Bay, right? Like, yes, heavier has a negative connotation of like, doesn't look as in shape. It could be muscle. We don't know. We do not know.
0: Yeah, picks or it didn't happen. I need the picks. Someone sends, someone share those with me if you have them <laughs> at Lucas Wenzel at FF Fellows on Twitter. Go drop a follow while you're at it.
2: The uh, good old anonymous beat writer coming in with the net hot and necessary information that Leonard Fournette is right. looking heavy. Oh, okay,
0: looking heavy. <laughs> That's all we have for news and notes. Uh, let's get on. We got a lot of time for this. We're going to have a lot of good conversation here. Let's move on to the most highly debated fantasy football questions this off season. Insert transition. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it in there. Like, like I just want that to be our transition from that one. Insert transition. All right. Uh, highly debated fantasy football questions. <laughs> we got 7 of them. We got seven of the most highly debated fantasy football questions this off season. This is something you're going to want to tune in for here to get our two cents, and we'll let you know uh, why we think we're right. Essentially, that's all we're going for here. Some of these I think we're all going to agree on. Some of these I think we may have a little bit of differentiation on. Oh, Mo Dog, Mo Dog in the background. All right, we're all good. Mo Dog wants to be featured. Oh, you caught, you caught part of it.
2: I caught the meat. Oh, I think. Oh, oh, oh. Just in time. That
0: man, he got quick fingers. He got he got cat-like <laughs> reflexes around a dog. Okay, we're moving on. Um, <laughs> question number one. The first most highly debated fantasy question of this offseason. Who's going to be the better Broncos wide receiver this year? Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy? Jerry Judy currently going as wide receiver 26 in fantasy drafts. Courtland Sutton going as wide receiver 28. Who's going to be the better fantasy wide receiver in 2022?
1: Probably Tim Patrick. (laughs) Uh, It's
0: going to be because everyone's expecting one of these two.
1: uh, No, I I really think it's going to be Cortland Sutton. He's the guy I have statted higher. Sutton's the guy we've seen it from before with lackluster quarterback play already. Um, he started off really hot last year, um, but having Teddy Bridgewater and a little bit of Drew Lock sprinkled in just is not going to help anybody. And so I I believe in Corlin Sutton. He's got a pretty decent uh, yards per catch of it's like 14 yards per yards per reception over his career. And so I think that really fits in with Russell Wilson, who likes to take that shot down the field. Um, and 2020, he was sixth sixth in deep targets, and so. I just think that he's going to continue to throw the ball to Cortland Sutton. And I think Cortland Sutton, because he is bigger, is going to be a better red zone target than Jerry Judy, who just has not scored. I mean, he hasn't been very healthy for his career, but he also hasn't scored many touchdowns over his career. So I think
2: Cortland Sutton. I I really want to say Jerry Judy. I really, really do. But it just seems like all signs point to Cortland Sutton. And, you know, I was thinking about, like, what kind of, you know, other wide receiver duo that we've seen in the league where they've got a big kind of outside target, but then they've got a guy that kind of does everything else, right, over the middle or in the short game or whatever. And I then thought about the L.A. Chargers. We saw a Mike Williams breakout last year for, on the outside. And Keenan Allen still put up productive numbers, everywhere else on the field. And I'm not saying it's going to be an exact carbon copy, right? But I wonder if we need to start thinking about Cortland Sun and Jerry Judy, like we do with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Yes. There's a bit of a difference at quarterback, but I think the styles of play that they're going to have in their offenses are going to be very, very similar.
0: I just sent you both a photo of Russell Wilson's heat map of targets and his excessive targets. Do you want to know where it's ice cold blue? Ty right. was trying to put it on the screen right down the middle. And you want to know who runs crossing routes down the middle all the time for the Denver Broncos? Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's so much more efficient in the slot running running across the middle of the field. Russell Wilson loves the outside. And you in that in that heat map that I sent compares Green Bay Packers. And the Seattle Seahawks uh, and Nathaniel Hackett coming over from the Green Bay Packers to the Denver Broncos, now the coach, right? So all of a sudden, I don't know if we're going to see much of a change in how Russell Wilson targets either of these wide receivers. Uh, I think Cortland Sutton is going to be the number one wide receiver. I think you're going to expect to uh, Russell Wilson to hit him on the outside. The biggest counter argument I've heard to Cortland Sutton being uh, the better wide receiver of the two this year. Uh, is when uh, we've compared them to Tyler Lockett. Yep. Their advanced stats are I- identical. Cortland Sutton was 12th in air yards uh, last season, 4th uh, in dot. Tyler Lockett 11th in air yards, 6th uh, in ADOT. Uh, those two correlate to me because they're both being targeted deep, uh, and they're both being targeted often deep. And so when I compare those two people, say, well, that's not good. Tyler Lockett's not good for fantasy football. And I say, cool, we just don't want top 15 wide receivers anymore. I mean, that's that's what you're telling me by saying Cortland Sutton being compared to Tyler Lockett is a bad thing, is that you yeah. just don't want a top 15 wide receiver and you sound dumb then. Like, consistency aside, I don't care. I really don't. Because once you get outside of those top 10 wide receivers, consistency is going to lack. You're either going to get a mundane 12 fantasy points per game from a guy like DJ Moore every single week, or you're going to get 10 points from Tyler Lockett uh, on a bad week and 25 on a good week. You know what? I would sacrifice two fantasy points to stick with a Tyler Lockett rather than get a mundane 12 every week with DJ Moore because that difference in their floors is not very different. Their ceilings are going to be so much more different. So you cannot tell me that Cortland Sutton being compared to Tyler Lockett is a bad thing. I yeah, need to go on that rant.
1: No, I agree, and and even if we're saying Cortland Sutton is better than Judy, that's not us saying Judy's going to be bad. Like Judy is no. still going to be very fantasy relevant. Hundred percent. I think Tim Patrick will even be fantasy relevant, not top twenty five, but I think you know if if you're playing like he'll be two top flexes, forty, he'll be draftable. Oh yeah, exactly. You, he's someone that you can plug in if you have a buy. But right. Russell Wilson can support a lot of options. Like like it's not like. We're talking about um, Teddy Bridgewater again. We're like, ooh, who could shine in this offense? It's this is Russell Wilson. This is a guy who has never finished lower than what is it, quarterback eight or quarterback eleven, uh, every year yeah. that he's been healthy. Like
0: never been outside of the top twelve yeah. and playing a full season. Yeah.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna trust in Russell Wilson and we give them both relevance, but I definitely think Sutton is going to be the number one.
0: I shared this with Tyler before we started the podcast. Before you you got here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Fun fact, we're all actually in the same house right now because we were going to try recording in person, uh, and technical difficulties prevented us from doing so. So now we're all just in different rooms. Uh, I told Tyler this before you got here, Cameron. Uh, I want you – well, it's going to be obvious, but uh, Cortland Sutton, according to Player Profiler, first in the league in target quality rating in 2021, which means – Uh, This combines his catchable targets with his average depth of target, putting a premium on deep and catchable targets, and discounting shorter, uncatchable passes. Cortland Sutton was number one last season. Wow. And now you get a more accurate deep ball passer. All I'm saying is things are looking pretty freaking good for Cortland Sutton this upcoming year. Would agree. I think we all agree. Cortland Sutton will be the better wide receiver, and you'll be able to draft him. Lower than Jerry and Judy. So, that puts a case on question number one. Question number two. This is one of the most highly debated fantasy football questions of this offseason. Question number two. What is Travis Etienne's ceiling this year? What is his ceiling? Because everybody in the community says something different. There are some in the community who say he is a top 10 potential. Ian Harditz of PFF said today that... Christian McCaffrey, or not Christian McCaffrey, Travis Etienne could get a Christian McCaffrey-like role in the Jaguars' offense this year, which I think is insane. A lot of respect for Ian Harditz, but that that's whack. You can't... Antonio Gibson has destroyed that theory in its entire capacity. Yep. There are others in the community uh, who are just staying away from him entirely because he's in a Doug Peterson offense who doesn't like running back by committee. But you can't deny his talent. So, Cameron, where do you stand on that being the Travis Etienne stand out of us three
1: fellows here? I definitely think he has the top ten potential that he could reach. I think, just especially this year, James Robinson most likely going to miss the first part of the season um, for sure. Could miss the whole season. You know, a December Achilles tear is pretty new. And even if right. he comes back, he's coming back no training camp. He's just being thrown in fresh. So he's not stealing, like, ETN's workload. So ETN is going to be established in this offense by the time James Robinson is ready to come back and take carries away. So if ETN, if he's going to reach his ceiling, like, he has a path to do it. Because Reichwell Armstead and Snoop Connor aren't taking that from him either. No. Now, in college, Travis ETN averaged six point yards per carry for Clemson. Which is just nuts, and right, he and so you know he has the potential, and he definitely could see a heavy um, pass work or high pass work, ugh, lots of involvement. There we go. That's where I am looking for in the passing yeah. game, and so that that's what he would need to be top ten. Is he would need to see sixty five plus targets, and he would need to score touchdowns. That's what I think is going to keep him from ever reaching like a McCaffrey esque. Season, um, at least for these next couple of years, is touchdowns because I don't think the Jaguars are going to score a ton of touchdowns. Because um, that that was McCaffrey when he he had like twenty plus touchdowns, you know, total touchdowns. Jaguars had twelve passing touchdowns and thirteen rushing touchdowns last year. They barely scored twenty touchdowns as a team. So right. to think that all of a sudden they're going to make this jump, I just don't see. I have him, I think, running back seventeen right now. So I don't think top tens of the realm of possibilities with staying healthy and stuff like that. But I don't really see him top five this season. So I'd say 10 through 5. Is his ceiling? I'm not projecting him to be there.
0: I don't trust Doug Peterson to get him there. I think that's where my issue lies. Because does he have the talent to get there? I think he does. I just don't think he's in the right offensive scheme. Welcome back, Tyler. (laughs) If we just went like seven minutes without Tyler saying a word. It's not like we were just cutting Tyler out. He had to to drop out for a second.
2: You guys are the best stallers on planet Earth. You guys are awesome.
0: (laughs) We do our best around here. Um, I can at least get us started because I think Tyler and I share the same opinion, similar opinions, I should say, on Travis ETN. Um, I just don't trust Doug Peterson to get him to top 10 volume. I don't trust Doug Peterson to give Travis Etienne all the work that he could possibly get. Um, I don't think top 15 is out of the realm of possibility. I don't think he can be a running back one, though. I I just don't... I, I just don't trust Doug Peterson to get him there. I feel like this is like the Antonio Gibson trap with Doug Peterson now. I feel like that's what we're going to get here. Um... That being said, Antonio Gibson was a really freaking good fantasy football running back. Still is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just I can't I can't buy it though. I, I can't get there. Um, I'm going to have Travis Etienne probably right around running back twenty, give or take two spots. I don't think he can crack top. Or I, the highest I would probably project him is like running back fourteen, and I don't know if he can get much higher than that personally for me. He would have. He would have to get all of the work. He would have to be on the field for first, second, and third down to crack top ten for me. And I just don't see him getting first, second, and third down work in a Doug Peterson offense. Tyler, I don't know what your two cents is on all that, but I think you and I have similar opinions on this.
2: Yeah. Well, so I kind of look at Etienne. Um, I mean the rusher Travis Etienne, and then the receiver Travis Etienne. <laughs> The receiving work is what gives him the possibility to, to be that top twenty, and for some people, top fifteen, closer to top ten, even. Right. I think it all depend, and it depends very much on James Robinson's status, because the longer that he's out, the more likely that it is going to be his backfield. But now there's reports that he's running again and all that stuff, so it it, it really comes down to when does James Robinson really come back. Because if he comes back halfway through the year, well, then ETN's had over half the season to himself in the backfield, right? So there there are a lot of ifs and what ifs um, with ETN, but what the one consistent thing that he should have going for him going into this year is the receiving work. And we've seen receiving backs do well as, I mean in PPR formats specifically. Um, The Kareem Hunts of the world, the Austin Ecklers of the world, right? Like, I'm not comparing ceilings and floors with Etienne to those guys, but receiving backs can produce, and we know that that's what he's going to do best in that offense.
0: Yeah, I don't have any question that Travis Etienne is going to be an efficient running back. Like, I'm not questioning his talent, I'm just questioning how much work Doug Peterson is going to be willing to give him. I just don't see Doug Peterson as a guy who's ever been willing to give his best running back a ton of touches. And granted, he was working with, like, what, Ryan Matthews his first two years in Philly, and then he got Miles Sanders and started giving him work until he got injured, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Hey, real quick, here's this name for you. Jay Ajayi.
0: Oh, Jay Ajayi. Man, sometimes I shouldn't think about Jhi. I ain't going to lie. I had a fantasy. Uh, he did have LeGarrette Blunt. He had – or was that New England? He had 15 touchdowns.
1: New England, he had 15 touchdowns. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he so did have was, Blunt the year was, after,
0: I think. I think he did. You're right. I think you're right. So, I mean, he's had talent to work with. Um, Travis Etienne, I would argue, is probably better than all those guys. Um, actually, I think he is better than all those guys. I don't think that's an argument. I got to see it before I'm ready to believe it with Travis Etienne. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the third most highly debated fantasy football question this offseason. It's not actually the third. It's just, it's just the third question I have on my list. <laughs> Where should Joe Burrow be taken in fantasy drafts this year? Oh. He's currently going as quarterback six. I think that's too high.
1: Well, I got him at quarterback ten. Which I didn't realize I was going to have him that high, even. Um, really? You thought you'd be lower on him? I did because I behind him I have Trey Lance, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and Kirk Cousins. Um, which I understand. I understand Rodgers and Cousins. You're like whatever. But Lance and Stafford, I thought might edge out in front of him. Um, but just the way it's worked out, I do have Burrow ahead, and he's right behind Dak. Him and Dak are pretty much nine and ten. But if I'm looking at that, I wouldn't be taking Burrow then until probably round eight. You know, if I'm He's looking going at round six, it, so I, I definitely would not take him that early. Because in round no. six, I'm looking at Herbert, I'm looking at you know Lamar and Kyler and um, Mahomes, who I think are going to significantly outscore Burrow. We got to realize too with Burrow, he had a seventy percent completion rate or percentage last year. Absolutely nuts. You know, yeah. I don't see him repeating that, especially for the down-the-field shots that he takes with Jamar Chase. Um, and so I do think he's probably going to throw the ball more this year, but I think efficiency comes down a little bit. And even with that, we've harped on this over and over. Lucas, this has been your best point for him. He wasn't, he was what, quarterback nine? Quarterback? He's
0: quarterback nine weeks, one through 15 last season, before yeah. his two massive games a week, 16 and
1: 17. And so if you're really, I mean, he might be the guy to rely on that for, but those were insane weeks. Those were otherworldly weeks. And yep. so he's probably sitting around quarterback nine last year. And usually young teams do struggle a little bit more coming off a Super Bowl loss, at least in yes. the start of the year. So that's something to pay attention to as well.
0: Yep. 100% agree. Joe Burrow before weeks 15 or before weeks 16 and 17, so the first 15 weeks of the season was only averaging 260 passing yards per game. That's all you need to know. Zach Taylor wants to run the football first with Joe Mixon. They were in a shootout with Kansas City in week 17. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, (laughs) they were in a shootout. Joe Burrow is going to have more passing yards. If they play anybody in the AFC West, they're going to have more passing yards. That's how it's going to work. So... I arrest my case on Joe Burrow there. That's all I need to say. Cameron made my points. Tyler, what else you got?
2: I think the only way that he gets close or finishes in top five is not necessarily, you know, by his own play. It's by other quarterbacks not doing as well as we think they should. And, I, you know, just to mention a few guys that are, probably will finish a bit lower than people expect this year. Rodgers being one, Um, Deshaun Watson plays that pushes Burrow back. Um, That's a big if, but I agree. Well, right, right. And then you then add in other guys like Mahomes and her. I mean, I think Mahomes won't be number one, but he'll still be ahead of Burrow just because it's Mahomes, right? So, like I said, there's other quarterbacks. That it will help, you know, very much dictate where Burrow finishes. And based off of the points that you guys have made just now, it's it's tough to see them repeating or doing better than they did last year. Even if they've got super great weapons like T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, it's going to be hard for them to really hit top five with the rest of the quarterbacks in this league.
0: I 100 percent agree. I
2: was just looking at. So, final.
1: Oh, sorry. I was just looking at Joe Burrow's ADP right now on Sleeper. Um, He is the 52nd pick off the board, so if you're in a 10-man league, that's fifth round. He's going ahead of Kyler Murray, two rounds ahead of Jalen Hurts, two rounds ahead of Dak Prescott, three rounds ahead of Russell Wilson, almost four rounds ahead of Brady, Rogers, almost five rounds ahead of Stafford, Lance, and Cousins. Um, Those are all guys who I think are going to be better or comparable to Burrow. So if you can tell me I can get cousins and average one point per game, two points per game less, and I can get him five rounds later, I'm gonna take Kirk Cousins at his current ADP over Joe Burrow. I mean I would take Kyler Murray over Joe Burrow for sure, and Joe Burrow is going ahead of Kyler Murray. It's just the hype is getting out of control. And yes, he was really good, but he was really clutch. I think I think that's the difference we gotta make. He wasn't great for fantasy I mean he was good, top ten is really good but he wasn't great. He wasn't this take him in the top 5 rounds. Good until the end of the end of the season when he needed to win and in the playoffs when he needed to win. Like he's got that clutch gene, but I don't know about fantasy.
2: And I think the other thing too just we this is a very common theme with teams that, you know, have as big of you know, as much success as Cincinnati did last year. There is something called film that comes out to all the other teams in the NFL, Cincinnati's with secrets, weapons, all that stuff, are now on tape. Teams will play them differently this year. Expect Jamar Chase to face much different coverages than he did last year. Not so much any more man-to-man stuff. He'll probably have a safety over the top. Expect more, you know, it's the point of, Cincinnati is not going to have the season that they had last year. It's going to be more difficult, and kudos to them if they can repeat like they did last year. It traditionally just does not happen.
0: Final answer, where should Joe Burrow be going in fantasy drafts?
2: Mid-eighth. Yeah, eights probably. Probably.
0: I would say somewhere between the beginning of round eight and the end of round nine. Any, anywhere in that two, two round window, I'm fine with, I'm not taking him any sooner than that though. So Joe Burrow is absolutely overpriced right now in your fantasy drafts. Don't fall into that trap of taking Joe Burrow too early when you could have someone with far better upside, like a Kyler Murray. Highly debated fantasy question number four of this off season How early is too early to draft Christian McCaffrey? But part two to that question, because that's an easy answer for all of us. We're all going to have the same answer. How late is too late to draft Christian McCaffrey? How far is too far uh, that he would fall in a fantasy draft? So first, how early is too early? How late is too late?
1: This one's so easy. There is no such thing as drafting Christian McCaffrey too early. I would say if you were at the 103 and pass on McCaffrey, you are doing something wrong. Can, that I, is can, I ins-
0: can I insert something really quick here? I need to say this because Christian McCaffrey going within the first two picks is industry average. Okay. We're not just a bunch of three recent college grad knuckleheads trying to give you fantasy football advice. Okay. Christian McCaffrey going top two is industry average right now. The fantasy footballers set the precedent for fantasy football in the industry. Two of them have Christian McCaffrey as their number one overall running back. Okay. Apparently it's a war crime that we have him at number 2 on our TikTok. People are no, you shouldn't even be top 10. No, you shouldn't even be you shouldn't even be top 7. I'm sorry, I don't want the guy who blows everybody else out of the water. When he plays football, these injuries are non-correlated. Sorry, I don't want to predict injuries. Sorry, I want the best player in fantasy football. That's all I'm going to say. It's not too early to take Christian McCaffrey. If he falls past, I think I would only allow five other running backs to go ahead of him. So if he goes after pick six, that's too late.
2: So I-, I should
0: say five other players. I should say five other players go ahead of Christian McCaffrey because Cooper Cup would be in there probably.
2: So I've seen some people say, you know, based off a of current ADP, people would much rather take Saquon Barkley at his ADP than Christian McCaffrey at his ADP. Yes.
0: Yes. And that makes
2: that makes zero sense to me. That makes zero sense to me. Why not take it, both?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you
2: could. You realistically could. I I get that they are two very different kind of players and I get the ADP arguments all the time. I get it. But you, if you're going to pass on McCaffrey based off of his ADP because of his injury history, but then you're going to buy in on the ceiling of Saquon Barkley at his ADP. Like something, something seems backwards there. And uh, those are the people that you shouldn't listen to.
0: It's because Saquon Barkley is such a good deal, Tyler. Because people don't want to admit it, but they still think he has top five upside. And so, oh, but you mean I can get that after I draft a running back in the first round who will likely be injured at some point this season? (laughs) You mean I can just get a a, a more injury? No, I don't want to say injury prone. One who has a higher injury risk than these other running backs later? (laughs) Like, I get the logic behind it, but like... uh, Come on, let, let's keep that same energy for Christian McCaffrey if you're going to keep that same energy for Saquon. I'm 100% with you.
2: I'm going to lock it, it in right here. Oh, sorry, Tasha. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. <laughs> I, I, I will just finish up by saying this. You have to take some shots in fantasy football. You have to take some shots. You have to take some risks. If you If you are taking players that consistently have the lowest floors – Sure, you may be the most consistent team, but are you going to win your leagues at the end of the day? Or are you going to win every single week? Because you're going to come up against teams that drafted guys with just much higher ceilings. Jamar Chase's of the world, Christian McCaffrey's of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Like if you have the if you have the team with the lowest floor, you're going to finish 500. You will. It's the Mike Zimmer fantasy football ideology. I'm going to label the Mike Zimmer ideology of fantasy football. Yeah. That's just the facts. That's just that's just fantasy football. I I agree. We yell it at the TV every
1: week we watch the Vikings. You play to win the game. You do not play to not lose the game. I am gonna lock it in right now. Every single redraft league that I am in, if I have the 101, I will be taking Christian McCaffrey and I will not think twice. Christian McCaffrey at the 102 will be a top five steal of the draft come next year, because he is going to finish that much better, that much higher than everybody else when he stays healthy all year long.
0: I don't really doubt that. Like I, cameras just out here. It's like, are you out here going for clips?
1: That one was. That one was 100. percent. I'm going to clip that. I'm going to clip that tomorrow. I've already looked at the timestamp. On here, 39-45, 30, like I'm ready to go. Here we go.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't disagree um, because I, I, I'm i sorry. Week one, when you had to play Christian McCaffrey and you skipped on him at the 102 because you didn't want his injury risk and he smokes mm-hmm. you for 27 fantasy points, you're going to be like, crap, why didn't I take that guy? I, yeah. I promise you. I promise you that's what you're going to think. Highly debated fantasy question of this off season number five. Number five. Question number five: <laughs> Will Kyle Pitts finish as a top three tight end this year? This is this is a beta one, a uh, highly debated one. Uh, I've seen people say Kyle Pitts overall tight end one this year. Now, my opinion: If they didn't draft Drake London, Kyle Pitts is in that conversation. Now that Drake London is there just another big bodied wide receiver to suck up targets and actually have someone to throw the ball to Russell or Russell Wilson, Russell Gage after Calvin Ridley, um, not parted ways with the team, but stepped away from the team last season. Uh, Russell Gage was on a 17 game pace of like 123 targets. I think I did the math on it. He was on pace for over 120 targets. So I'm assuming Drake London is probably going to see at least 110 targets this year, which is going to dip into, um, Kyle Pitts target share. So, Kyle Pitts finished as a top three tight end this year. He's currently going as the tight end three in fantasy drafts. So we might have to speed this up. All Finally, right. My computer is on low battery, and I don't know how much longer I got. Alrighty. <laughs> Disclaimer to everybody on the pod if we go a little bit quicker here.
1: As the person who has Kyle Pitts as his tight end three, I'm going to say yes. I have him as a 25% target share, getting 130 targets. 81 receptions, 1100 yards, and seven touchdowns. I I really think he's gonna. I mean, they lined him up like a wide receiver. He's gonna be the wide receiver one. I I think he I think he's more talented than Drake London. So I think he's gonna get wide receiver one targets. And they just have nobody else. And so yes, I think don't he
0: can disrespect be Olamide Zacchaeus like that. Don't will, disrespect him like that, Brian Edwards. Time. Stop it.
2: Auden Tate. Right. Yeah. Exactly. When Brian
1: Edwards is the biggest name out of those three, you have an issue. And so I am 100% confident that Pitts is top five, and I think there's a very
2: high chance he's top three.
0: Top five I can get behind. I have him as tight end four.
2: I think this comes down to, I mean, because we know one and two are just locks in Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, right? 100%. Right. So So then you're
0: asking, is Kyle Pitts going to be tight end three this year? That's essentially what you're asking. Right.
2: And then you look at all the other tight ends in the league, and really the only ones with current situation and past production that could really make, you know, could also have an argument for tight end three George Kittle and Dalton Schultz. Kittle can absolutely finish tight end three. He's just got to play more than 13 games in the season.
0: He Yes. If he, fit, if he plays more than 13 games, he will be the tight end three. I agree.
2: But if he doesn't, then it becomes Pitts and Schultz. And at that point, it's a matter of which offense do I trust a little bit more. Yes, Pitts has a talent all over Schultz. But I'm still going to lean Dalton Schultz. Red zone targets are going to Dalton Schultz now. We saw that last year. We saw Mark Cooper exit. We see, or we, uh, Michael Gallup is going to be missing time. Dalton Schultz is the number two option in that offense at this current moment. And yes, Pitts is number one. So that it becomes, yeah, I, and an, maybe the better way to put it, Marcus Mariota or Dak Prescott. That's true. I'll again, take I think Jack I Eileen Schultz can I see Pitts finishing tight end 3? Yes. Yes, absolutely yeah. can. I there are just other tight ends that I that we've seen before that I will kind of default to right away.
0: I'm going to do some quick math for us based on Kyle Pitts's 2021 numbers. He finished with 176.6 fantasy points last year. He finished as a tight end six, which was still 32 fantasy points behind tight end three, who was Don't Schultz. Now, the biggest thing with Pitts is that he didn't catch touchdowns last season. He had a whopping one touchdown. So it would take six touchdowns, well, it would take five more touchdowns for a grand total of six in the 2021 season for him to jump up to tight end three to catch up with Dalton Schultz, right? So I'm... I think he does hit six this year. This is like my pro Pitts's tight end three argument. I think he does hit six this year. I think he will get more red zone targets. I just don't think he gets higher than three. And I think, like I said... If George Kittle plays more than 13 games, I fully expect him to finish as tight end three and Kyle Pitts as tight end four, which is what I have in my rankings right now. And the thing is, right, like even if Kyle Pitts scored six touchdowns last season, had that extra 30 fantasy points plus whatever the yardage was and reception total was, so it would probably be at least 35 fantasy points for being real. He still would have been 50 points behind Travis Kelsey and over 80 points behind Mark Andrews. Like, that's what we're talking about. We need astronomical. We need over 100 fantasy point increase this season. We're essentially asking Kyle Pitts to at least increase his percentage of fantasy points by 66%. I just don't see that happening. I just really don't. So it's tight end three or tight end four. I'm leaning tight end four because I think George Kittle will finish higher than him. So I think that kind of sums up a lot of what we've been saying. Just depends on how much you want to believe in him. So the, the pathway is there. The pathway is very much there. I don't know if it's safe to assume he's going to be one or two though. I think it's, will he be tight end three? I think that's the question we need to be asking instead. Yeah. Highly debated fantasy football question of the off season. Number six, how big should the gap be? Between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon this year. Ooh. Javante's ADP right now is the running back 12. Melvin Gordon's ADP? Running back 38. Javante Williams finished as running back 17 last season. Melvin Gordon as a running back 18. What are our thoughts here? How big should the gap be? How big will the gap be between the two this
1: year? So when I ranked, I. I did go more pro Javante Williams, and I, I Javante at, and I went Javante at running back 15 and Melvin Gordon at running back 27, and I think that's if Gordon takes a little bit of a back seat, um, considerably more than last year. And so I honestly think that's like the max they're going to be apart is like 12 spots. So I do think Javante is being taken way too high. Off of this promise that we've only seen for one game—that's the thing. Like, yes, we've seen, we saw bits and pieces throughout games where he's splitting the workload, but we only saw that one game against the Chiefs where he was the one guy, and that's what we're basing off all of this off of. And Melvin Gordon's no slouch; like, he's still going to score touchdowns. He's still going to be consistent when he gets the ball, and so I think Melvin Gordon is definitely being way underdrafted, and Javante's being slightly overdrafted right now. So that's that's my thoughts on it.
2: I would. I I agree with that, and I think when you put it in the con, you know, was it running back thirty eight? Melvin Gordon's at right now, right, Lucas? Yes, thirty
0: eight. Sorry, you were waiting on me. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yep. Running back thirty eight. <laughs> no, you're currently good. Going
2: against... Um. So in, let's see, in in twelve man leagues that, that puts him just outside of the running back three territory, right? Yeah if my math is adding up. Yes. I think Melvin Gordon is going to be a solid running back three this year. So anywhere between 20 and 30, 24, 36 is going to be the right spot for him. And I would also then agree slightly with the, yeah, Javante's going a little bit early, and I think people are just kind of hope you know banking on the upside that he's got because there were flashes last year. There were some promise last year. And second-year running back, you know, it sh- he should take another step forward. But it's a new system, new head coach. It's not a guarantee. So running back 12 for Javante Williams, I I can understand the argument. Would I do it? No. Um but I don't. Th- I don't think it should be a surprise that Javante is going ahead of Melvin Gordon after what we saw last year. Because I think people are projecting and correctly assuming that Javante kind of takes the lead duties this year.
0: Well, in true fella fashion, we ran into technical difficulties at the end of the podcast uh, while we were trying to set up recording together in person before we recorded this episode virtually. Uh, my computer was running low on juice. So we had mentioned in the episode that we were all at Tyler's house, actually in that episode, just in different rooms. My computer was running low on juice. I was the one hosting the room. And so uh, the room just kind of cut out after that. We kind of, it just stopped recording on us. So uh, our deepest apologies there. Thanks for bearing with us through all the technical difficulties. The only thing we went on to talk about afterwards, uh, we discussed a final question, which was what in the world do we make of AJ Brown's ADP right now? Uh, he's currently going anywhere between wide receiver nine and wide receiver twelve in drafts. Even though he's on the Eagles, essentially we all agreed right around wide receiver fifteen is probably the sweet spot for him. So uh, if you're targeting AJ Brown in drafts, you don't feel super confident in him as your wide receiver one. But if he's like your high upside wide receiver two, um, like your he's he's a very strong wide receiver two if you have him on your team. So that's essentially what we kind of uh, agreed upon at the end of the day. But thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for tuning into another fa- episode of the fantasy football fellows podcast. Uh, we're going to be back next week. We're our, our first episode. we we'll are going to be back two episodes a week next week. First episode is going to be discussing our rankings. Uh, we're going to have, uh, some discussion on who we have higher ranked than consensus and have a little bit of discussion between ourselves, uh, and any discrepancies in our rankings. And then we have our first Mock draft of the off season coming next week. And we have a very special guest joining us for that. I won't spoil who it is, but you have uh, some rankings discussion and a mock draft to look forward to for next week. Uh, make sure to drop a follow on our socials, FF fellows on Twitter, the FF fellows on Instagram, fantasy football fellows, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. 56 K on TikTok. Go drop us a follow over there. If you haven't already, um, and our draft guide is coming out next week for $5. All you got to do is not buy a Little Caesars Hot and Ready for one week. I know that was a problem for me in college. I ain't going to lie. Um, all you got to do is save 5 bucks on a Little Caesars Hot and Ready, and you can buy our draft guide. Statistical projections for every player on every team in the NFL. On the offensive side of the ball, it's relevant for fantasy. We didn't stat on defensive players. But all offensive players are statted out $5. That's all it costs you. It's going to help you win your league. That's it. $5 help you win your league. You can afford that. That is dropping next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the fantasy football fellows podcast, though. Uh, I can sign off for all three of us. All three of us were on this episode. So I feel okay with that. Uh, we're just three Stooges being dudes, the fantasy football fellows. Deuces.